In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Hey, everybody. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution for the another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. It is September 23rd, 2020. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC. That's D-O-U-G-R-O-B-E-R-S-O-N, AJC. Or on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. I've covered this team since, I think, 2012 when it became an inkling that it was going to happen. Uh, tonight, Atlanta United picks up its first win in seven games, a one to nothing victory against Dallas on a penalty kick converted by Jeff Lerowitz. Um, that's the scoring highlight. Uh, to join me to talk about this, because there is quite a bit to talk about within this game, as always, is Jason Longshore of SoccerDownHere.net, which I hope that you'll subscribe to, and 92.9 FM. Jason, no individual, no noticeable individual mistakes for Atlanta United on defense tonight. It's third shutout, I think, this season. Uh, an energy and uh, a focus that we haven't seen I don't think at all, except for maybe the second game against um, Ottawa this season. Yeah, maybe the, the the first two regular season games in MLS, although you were dealing with distractions um, with CONCACAF Champions League, with Joseph's injury, et cetera, et cetera. But it, it felt like a throwback in some ways. This team's going to struggle to score goals right now. There's just no way around that. But tonight you – countered that with the energy that you mentioned, but also a, a smart tactical plan to look to get in behind when you could. And they threatened Dallas a couple of times with a ball over the top. John Gallagher's speed at top caused some problems. Uh, Jake Mulraney's speed also caused some problems. Their 1v1 ability caused some problems. But the biggest difference to me was a commitment to trying to win the ball back. And, and it's something that you know, we haven't seen Atlanta United do consistently. And, and I always felt like it was the missing piece from Frank DeBoer's teams last year when they were dominating games. If they lost possession, it felt like you were concerned about a transition moment going against you because you had numbers up, but you didn't commit to trying to win the ball back immediately. Tonight they did. And, and they caused Dallas a lot of problems. And it felt like, Atlanta controlled at least two-thirds of the match. Even when they weren't creating chances, they were in control. And with a team that, you know, didn't have Barco tonight, doesn't have Joseph, doesn't have Kubo Torres, didn't have Jurgen Dom, you're not going to create a ton of chances, and you've got to find other ways to control games, and they did tonight. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it wasn't a pretty game uh, by any stretch of the imagination. There, there weren't a whole lot of beautiful passing sequences. Uh, by either team, and Dallas did Atlanta United a favor by sitting 
are not starting two of its healthy designated players. Once they came on, Atlanta United was a, a little bit under siege uh, for a few minutes, but they didn't make those mistakes like they made against Miami, like they made against Nashville, like they made against Orlando uh, that resulted in goals. It was a, um, you know, it, it, was, it was a much different performance. You look at the stats and it's odd uh, because I agree with you. It looked like Atlanta United was winning a lot of the 50-50 balls, winning a lot of the second balls. Statistically, Dallas dominated. They won 57.8% of the duels. Um, Second but, half, they, they must have really dominated because yeah. I think Atlanta shaded it at halftime. But I think it, they, there's not really a stat for, like, second balls uh, within the duels. Right. Um, but Atlanta United won them in the important moments, and that's, mm-hmm. that's a difference. Um, I thought John Gallagher, uh, his first start as a lone striker for Atlanta United, played really, really well. Uh, there's things that he does that Jake Mulraney also does that I really like and think that this team needs. And that's a little bit of bravery to take people on on the dribble, um, in which they, they both did very, very well tonight. Uh, Mulraney looks to be growing and growing in confidence, but his last two performances were really good. Um, switching back to the defense, uh, Franco Escobar, his best performance maybe in two years, I thought, for Atlanta United. No yellow cards, very controlled, tremendous effort. And I said in the post-game report that it was his best performance in an Atlanta United kit. Um, I'd have to go back and look at playoffs and things. I think he's probably done better both offensively and defensively, but it was definitely a good performance. Um, I'll tell you that the, the reason why I think it was the best was the leadership that he displayed. And that's true. That, and I will talk about that, something about that in just a second. Yeah, it was really necessary. Go ahead. Um, it, being a leader, having better body language and stuff, is something that he said last week that he wanted to do. And Stephen Glass said tonight is something that he's talked to Franco about because his effort and energy are always there, but he's got to have better body language and he's got to, I guess, communicate or be more of a leader. And you saw that tonight. And having Fernando Meza, this is not a knock on Anton Walks at all because I thought he's like – really, really well up until maybe the final game, maybe the game before the final game he played. But Fernando Meza with fresh legs, I thought was also very solid tonight for Atlanta United. Yeah, totally agree. Meza brings you a calmness on that back line. And in the second half, I mean, we didn't expect to see Franco Escobar and Fernando Meza as your two center backs, but they, they gave you both sides of what you need from a successful defense. And And I don't know if it came through on the broadcast, but the moment that, really sealed it for me with Franco Escobar in this match was late when Lawrence White came on and, and gave a, a somewhat risky ball back that Escobar had to really fight for and go in for a tackle. And he, he won it. And he ended up winning a goal kick out of it. After the, the, the play was over, there was no frustration out of Franco Escobar. It was only positivity. He, he made sure he got White's attention and, and kind of pumped his fist at him. I was like, come on, it's all good. We're going to get through this. And, and that's something that we haven't seen out of him. Not that we've seen negativity towards teammates, but just more negativity towards himself. Like, he gets frustrated with himself at times. And this was one where he was not just showing better body language in general, but pumping up his teammates and, and helping a young player through a, a tough spot. 
And that's critical. And it's going to be critical for this back line. Um, Escobar was huge in that way tonight. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Lernowitz said, I think a couple of weeks ago, I think it was two weeks ago, that typically Atlanta United plays well when Franco Escobar plays well. And yeah. I think you saw that um, tonight. Um, I thought Adam John, when he came on, his hold-up play was tremendous. He won most of the balls hit to him uh, to break some of Dallas's pressure, which I thought was was good. Uh, Lawrence White, I thought, you know, his first minutes in since the second week of the season, I think. Yeah. Uh, maybe the first – no, definitely the second week. Uh, you know, it's a big moment to come in with your team leading by a goal and trying to secure three points. thought he played well. Rometty came on, played well. Robinson and, and Rosetto had to leave with issues, as Stephen Glass described them, uh, to try to protect them for Sunday's big game at Chicago, a, a Chicago team which you should not be taken lightly at all because um, they are looking really, really good. Big win for them tonight. Um, and Atlanta United now, the key now – is to keep this energy, to keep this focus, and, and I think to keep this belief, this confidence that they kind of showed tonight. Um, and, you know, you, you want to think, we talk about this on your show on uh, Soccer Down Here, that they can do it, but they really haven't. So doing it again at Chicago, I think, is going to be key to this team qualifying for the playoffs with what is now – how many games left? 11 games left? 10. 10 games. I, I lose track. 10 games left now? Uh, it's gonna yeah, be 10 huge, now. Huge at Soldier Field. It's going to be a fight. I mean, uh, that's, that's the thing. It's not going to come easy. It's going to be a fight for this team to get results. Uh, but they showed they were up for it tonight, and that's a, a huge element. And, I mean, the lineup that you saw from the beginning turned some heads with John Gallagher up top. The lineup at the end absolutely turned some heads with yeah. Mark Wyke in the midfield with Edgar right. Castillo as a left winger um, with Franco Escobar's center back. I mean, Stephen Glass had to not just get the three points tonight, not just figure out what lineup could get him to three points, not just figure out how to finish the game off. But like you said, with Josetu and Robinson, he had to factor in looking ahead a little bit as to am I going to risk these guys not being available for Chicago on Sunday if I put them back out for the second half and he made the decision not to and he got the performances to to take that chance he got the performances from Adam John from Eric Rometty coming into the second half from John Gallagher moving over to the wing I mean players were, were changing positions throughout the match I mean it was really piecing it together and it felt like you know, watching uh, Glassy's teams with Atlanta United 2 last year at their best and, and seeing early this season, his teams, I think, take on his personality at a certain point. And they really did with Atlanta United 2 last season when they were getting a, a run of results. Tonight looked like that to me. It looked like a team that was committed to playing on the front foot and controlling the game, but also if it turned into a street fight, winning that too. And that's what it felt like tonight. We haven't seen that in a while. So Atlanta United, uh, all the Eastern Conference teams are done, is in 10th place with 14 points. Chicago, the team that will play Sunday, is in, is in 12th with 12 points. 
three points separate Atlanta United from DC United, which lost again tonight. And I keep asking, how long has Ben Olsen going to stay coach? Um, At this point. And three points separates Atlanta from sixth place NYCFC, uh, which was also beaten tonight by Toronto. Uh, I still have concerns that this team is not going to qualify for the playoffs. I just, the energy they showed tonight, I just don't know how you can sustain it for as long as you need to sustain it in the game, particularly when the games are as frequent as they are now. But it was good to see. Um, the other results tonight are just insane. Red Bulls thump Miami 4-1. to one. Nashville beats D.C. United 1-0. to nothing. Congrats to Gary Smith. Orlando doing what it's been doing all season. Another good win, 2-1 to one, Sporting Kansas City. At Sporting Kansas City, I think that game was. It was. Uh, That's a huge yeah. Win. Columbus did what it needed to do at home against Minnesota, 2-1. to one. Cincinnati and Philadelphia inexplicably tied. Uh, and Chicago uh, thumped Houston, which is starting at summer swoon uh, uh, right on time, even though we're out of summer. Um, yeah, they sold Albert Ellis so that they don't have a whole lot of depth to deal with that loss right now. And they're that is kind of, yeah, good. Uh, the, the one that is one thing I'm curious about Orlando because it's known for its second half collapses. Mm-hmm. And uh, when Pereja was at Dallas, it had one of the all time big second half collapses. Uh, I'm curious if that DNA is going to restart here in these last few games. I hope not. Because I want to see Orlando make the playoffs. I think they're playing well. But I am curious about that. They'll make the playoffs. Um, uh, he'll find a way through it. Uh, they'll, they'll wobble because I, I think the way this season is, everybody's going to at some point. Um, even Philadelphia and Columbus, who I think are the class in the Eastern Conference this season, they're going to have wobbles just because you're, you're going to hit a wall at some point. You're going to play you know, four games in, in 15 days, you're going to have some crazy couple of weeks. You're going to have an injury pop up. You're going to have a struggle. But Pereja, outside of that year with Dallas, which was completely inexplicable, has had a a way about building teams where um, I think his saying, his motto at Dallas was busca la forma, like find a way. And, and they'll find a way. They've got the talent to do it. But when times get tough, in Orlando, because they will at some point, the, the spotlight will be on because that is the expectation that they will crumble because they have. I think they've got a different mentality about him this time around. And everyone loves Matias Almeida, but his team is getting beat now three to nothing by Colorado after just getting thumped by their previous two opponents. It's not a team with depth and it's just, it's, it's got to be a little bit scary, I think, if you're Almeida right now. Um, yeah, LAFC it's, is already it's tough for a manager like that. Vancouver. Uh, in seven yeah. minutes, they've already scored two goals, LAFC over Vancouver. Uh, that's another manager who everyone loved, Vancouver's manager, when he got there. I couldn't quite fi- understand why. And he's done nothing really since. Yeah, I, I haven't understood it with Vancouver. Um, Vancouver and San Jose do share this in common, that they just don't have a lot of talent. And there's only so much either manager can do. Almeida looked like he was turning a corner during the MLS's back tournament with the team, but they sold Magnus Eriksson. And it's an underrated move because a lot of people didn't really rate Magnus Eriksson as highly as they should have in this league. He was critical 
to that team and creating opportunities and creating chances and and drove the team from the front. I think he was a lot of the heart and soul of that group, and they haven't been the same since they sold him. And, and Vancouver true. just doesn't have enough talent to compete, period. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they have to get goalkeepers standing on their head to be able to stay in games. It's uh, There's just some things about MLS that just I don't understand, but that's neither here nor there. Portland is beating Seattle. I'm watching, or I was watching that game before I jumped on to talk with our good friend Jason here about tonight. Um, so, you know, looking at how Atlanta United played tonight, the energy, et cetera, it's, it's rude, I think, to say that energy replaced tactics and energy replaced skill uh, because there is still skill in doing what Atlanta United was doing with the press. Do you think Atlanta United can continue, though, this style of play, particularly if Barco, for whatever reason, is continuing to not play, and if Robinson and Josetu, for example, miss the Chicago game. Yeah, I don't think it's fair to say energy replaced tactics or skill because there was a lot of tactics going on with, with what you saw tonight. Um, I thought the game plan was the best way to get a result in this match, and, and that's going to be the challenge in creating chances right now. Um, with Barco or without, because you don't have a, a traditional number nine for your system at the moment. That would be Joseph Martinez. He's not available. Adam John is a different kind of player. John Gallagher is a different kind of player. So you're going to have to kind of figure that out on the fly. But you can control some of your tactics. The balance will be trying to manage the energy levels. And, and more of fitness would be the best way to put it. Because players will get tired. And it's going to have to be a next man up kind of scenario. And one reason why it was good to see Lawrence White at the end of the match tonight, because he's going to have a role to play. I think everybody will have a role to play. Manuel Castro came in and gave you a good hard shift. Did he create a whole lot? No. Did he fight? Yep. And you're going to need that. Um, You're not like sacrificing creativity just to press because this is a team that still wants the ball, but, they showed that if they do lose it in the attacking half, they're not going to be afraid to step up and try to win it back. And that's what it felt like earlier in the season where you'd have possession, you'd get the numbers forward, you'd be organized, the ball would turn over, which it'll happen. Every team loses ball at some point. And they were afraid to commit themselves to, to pressing at that point. And they got stuck like halfway. It's mm-hmm. like they couldn't get out of second gear. And that's the problem. If you don't do that side of it, it doesn't work. So now you're going to do that side and you are going to worry about fitness and you're going to worry about players having to play out of position at times, but that's the best way to get results with this group right now, because you have players who can play, you have players who can keep the ball, but you have to have that work rate behind it to make it all fit Mm -hmm. because it's not going to be pretty at the moment because you're missing some creativity. You're missing your best goal scorer. You got to find another way tonight. They showed another way. Can they maintain it is going to be the question. What do you think is going on with Barco? Do you think he's hurt or do you think like other people are saying that he's just holding out to, to be sold? I don't think he's holding out to be sold at all because I think if, if that was the case, we would have heard something from an agent by now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know the injury situation. And that's the, that's the concern. And that's the hard thing at the moment. Um, 
it has sounded a little bit like you heard about tonight with Robinson and Hosetu, where you're you're monitoring fitness levels, you're monitoring output, and where there's a question mark, you're worried about having them out for a long period of time in, and trying to push through whatever minor injury they're dealing with. Because we've seen Robinson not look like himself at times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when that came up with him tonight, I wasn't surprised. Barco yeah, he went running down the field tonight after a corner kick. I think he came up for a corner kick and then went running back, and I was watching him. And it, it, honestly, it looked like he was holding his left shoulder, I think, something like that. So he, he just wasn't running yeah. naturally. And that's the concern with all these games right now. And, and you're seeing it with players around MLS, but you're seeing it with – teams around the world at the moment with crowded schedules, having to manage minutes and where there's any little bit of concern, you don't want somebody out for a long period of time. You know, you, if, if you have to pull them or you have to sit them early in Barco's case to get them ready to play more minutes down the road, you've got to try to do that. And it stinks and it's difficult and it's 2020 for you, but you have to manage things for the long term but balance that with short-term results. And it's very tough for any manager in the world right now. What do you think about Frank DeBoer getting the job coaching the Netherlands? Perfect fit because the he's available. The job opened up um, with Ronald Koeman going to Barcelona, which is the only job he would have left the Dutch national team for. Um, I think this is the only job that Frank would have jumped back into uh, the managerial grind for. You know, he's a guy who wore that shirt with pride. He's a guy who was in a World Cup final on the bench with that program. And he'll have a chance to lead them through a qualifying campaign and, and lead them in a Euros. And that's hard to say no. I mean, I'm sure he felt that that pull of of helping out his country in a time when they needed it. Um, I think it's a perfect fit. I think national team work will be a, a good situation for him right now. And he's got a ton of talent to work with. Oh yeah. A ton of talent. And I'm, I'm happy for Frank. I, uh, you know, I, I think that he's unfairly received a lot of criticism from supporters. Um, I think some criticism is definitely warranted. Uh, his insistence on that, that formation that just the team could not play. I didn't understand. And he just kept doing it over and over again. And, but always found him to be an honest guy, always found him to be a decent guy. And so I'm glad that he's landed on his feet uh, with a country he clearly loves, who he's lived yeah. his life for, basically, his soccer life for. Um, so I'm happy for him, and, and I hope that uh, they get success. I think that game against Mexico, if it's played, I don't even know if it's, if it's still going to be played at this point. Uh, LAFC is now winning 4 to nothing after 14 minutes. Oh, wow. Vancouver's a team that's just given up. Um, I think it's – is it four to nothing? Yeah, four to nothing, 20 minutes, four to nothing. <laughs> Colorado won five to nothing. So, San Jose uh, – and it's past – let's look up its past three games here real quick because it's it may be the worst run in MLS history. It's going to be in the ballpark. A 6-1, a 5-0. I, I think the other one was like- – 5-0 and 5-0. They've given up 16 goals in their past three games. Wow. Well, Atlanta United can always say, hey, we're doing better than that. (laughs) 
Yeah, when people have tried to start the narrative about being the worst team in the league, they're not looking hard enough at some of these teams in the league. Um, Atlanta's got work to do, but I, I think they showed something a little different tonight. And it's going to take something a little different to uh, get something out of this season, and we'll see if they can sustain it. If they can, this season is perfect for this super aggressive pressing action, I think. Uh, because you do if have you can five maintain subs, the fitness. And you have five subs, so you can keep yeah. bringing in fresh legs and rotating players and rolling them. And if Castro can get – I don't know if he's lacking confidence, but if he can get some more playing time and maybe build some more confidence, that would be huge because I think he's got a lot to offer. I thought Heinemann uh, looked so much better tonight he than he looked uh, two games ago when he just looked like he was running with concrete boots most of the time. Um, Mo Adams hasn't seen the field in forever and a day. I'm sure he's going to get playing time soon. George Campbell, I just – I don't see it happening. I'd love to, but I don't see him getting the playing time. Um, but it's going to take everybody for Atlanta United to keep some momentum going. Yeah, everybody has to be ready. Um the one thing that, that I, I would say, because I start going around at, at times tonight about it, it, it is there, there are pressing elements to this, but it's not sacrificing possession for pressing. It's not the Red Bull style where they, they want, you know, they don't want 50% of the ball. They want about 40% of the possession. They just play long all the time to press. What Atlanta did tonight that was really impressive was they they tried to build out of the back. They possessed the ball. They controlled the ball, especially through the first half, especially until they got the lead. And when they lost possession is where they activated the press. And, and that commitment to constantly being switched on to switching what you were doing, transitioning, that had been a huge problem all season long. And tonight – they got those moments right, but they also were able to be more aggressive than they have been. And they're going to have to continue to do it. The extra subs helps you. And it's going to take everybody from man one to, to man 28, I think, that are available right now. Actually, if you take Dom and Kubo and Barco out of it, 25 right now that were healthy, it's going to take everybody. What I have heard Mike Conti screaming had Lorenowitz converted that bicycle kick here in Carrollton. Yes, um, <laughs> you absolutely would have. Uh, you might have heard me collapsing and hitting the table in front of me uh, because when he went up for it, I was just blown away that it was actually Jeff doing it. Oh, that was uh, – He was offside, though, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, so. he was offside, but still, you know, it was still fun. All right, what do you have upcoming, buddy? We got overreaction Thursday tomorrow on Soccer Down Here. It'll start at 9 o'clock. Um, you can watch on twitch.tv slash soccer down here. You can listen on our Soccer Down Here app, which you can download on Android or iOS. Or you can listen on soccerdownhere.net. That's all live. And if you want to download the podcast later, you can do that. Subscribe on any of your podcatchers. And I want to remind everybody, if you go to our Twitter account at Soccer Down Here, uh, we created a Bienvenido Marcelino scarf for Marcelino Moreno, and the impetus behind it was to raise money for the soccer school that bears his name in uh, Club Atletico Palmira, which is a club in the Mendoza Soccer League. It was where he first started, um, played there from 
12 years old until he went to La Nuce at just about 17. Um, small, small, small club at a regional league level. Um, I mean, I don't even know where they would fall in the Argentine system, like sixth or seventh or eighth division. But they renamed their soccer school for four to eight-year-olds after Marcelino Moreno, after he made it big and he's donated soccer balls and he's gone back to visit. He's an idol to those kids um, from a, from a smaller town and from an area that gets overlooked in Argentine talent. So we wanted to do something to, to welcome him to Atlanta, but also give a little something back. So all the proceeds from the scarves that we're selling are going to be donated to that soccer school um, that bears Marcelino's name. Well, that's awesome. That is good thinking. And, and y'all please help Jason and help uh, Moreno's former school uh, by donating what you can. Um, as always, you can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. Atlanta United won the nothing winners over Dallas at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Uh, the team will play at Chicago on Sunday as the games keep coming. Uh, again, please follow everyone else who covers Atlanta United. Uh, Dirty South Soccer, those guys, uh, Siempre United, uh, Eric Cantana's gang, uh, all those guys. Uh, the Athletic. Um, and be safe, wear a mask, vote, and we'll talk to you soon. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL only from the Atlanta Journal Constitution. Mm-hmm.